I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. Here we go, folks. Purple Patch Podcast time once again. As ever, your host, Matt Dixon. And as Freddie said, we are the champions. Well, let's hope so. But what does it take for you to develop a championship mindset? This week, we explore the path to set up the right frame of mind and focus to allow all of your hard work to blossom. What is a championship mindset? The subjects we're going to go through today, the balance between planning and obsession, framing your big event in a really positive and ultimately helpful way to allow you to enjoy the race and maximize your train potential, and ultimately how to balance the goals and outcomes you hope for with the focus on the process to facilitate those goals. If you're vying for the win or simply looking to get across the finish line with a smile across your face, you can learn a lot from adopting what we label today the championship mindset. Before you think you're too good and well too experienced, this episode is going to be required listening to all of the Purple Patch Pros. So fasten your seatbelt, get ready to channel your inner Freddy and find your own champion inside yourself. Before you do so, let's talk a little bit about life stress and baggage we like the way he thinks serious with a wig let's open the book it's time to take a peek it's the dictionary word of the week yes word of the week and this week the word is baggage carrying baggage of life stress into your sport This word of the week actually comes from an experience that we had a couple of weeks ago at our South Carolina training camp. And we were working on running form with our collection of time-starved, very driven, enthusiastic amateurs. Through the process, we were talking about the basics of running. We talked about posture and arm carriage and leg speed and even toe drive, the propulsive element to get the extra eighth or quarter of an inch per stride to ultimately get us there faster. And we watched and we watched and we watched. And in our collection of athletes that were in front of us, some were naturally graceful, some were, well, mechanical robots, but a theme started to spread. A common theme that we saw time and time again tension, running through the body, preventing flow. I want you to imagine picking up a ball right now and just clenching the fist tight around the ball, holding the biceps and triceps hard, making yourself rigid through the shoulder. Now try and hold that tension and throw the ball as far as you can. It's probably going to fall just in front of your feet. See, what we saw with our runners is we saw shoulders that were tight, clenched jaw, holding of the breath, and very little arm swinging, almost static, holding stationary. It was like the athletes were holding life stress in their actions, their work, their family, travel, commitments, all of it, carrying things like it was, well, baggage. We stopped the session, and I asked them to breathe. And I told them what we saw. I explained it to them. There's no point talking about elbows of angles or where your foot is landing on the ground. Take a deep breath. What we see is stress. So just like a batter who misses a pitch, 
I got them to proverbially take a step out of the box, reset themselves. But rather than thinking about the angle of the arm or the posture or pushing off the big toe, we started with mindset and we wanted to drop the baggage. So what was this? This was a call to not bring life stress into the actions. I asked them to imagine holding a baby or hugging an eight-year-old child, being gentle, being soft, running with supple shoulders, letting them be free, run with five toes and a whole foot landing, not just a club-like foot. Feel it, be fluid, and be supple. I know, very hippy-dippy. But we sent them away and said, go and run again. No pace, no metrics. A simple awareness of where your arms were, where your hands are, where your fingers are, how the foot felt on the ground. Allow the tension to fall away from the jaw. And yes, breathe. Controlled and breathe. And of course, they looked at me and thought I was absolutely mental. Now me, I felt like I should have hired someone to put a white glowing light underneath me, grown a big beard and put on a big white cape. But well, whatever it takes. The result? Aha! That feeling of flow. Now to say that they release their inner gazelle, that would be an overstatement. But they all felt it. And that's a big part of coaching, enabling an athlete to feel it. They felt it. Something that you hear me say a lot. Form over force, staying supple to generate power, remain economical and create best speed. So this is what we talk about when we say form over force. Check the baggage at the door. Don't bring life stress into it. And yes, fighting is key and you can fight, but I want you to fight from the inside. And the goal is to remain supple and fluid while in the midst of racing anguish and fighting for your life. How very ninja of me. But that is why the word of the week, this week, is baggage. And maybe, just maybe, it provides you with a little food for thought. Now, speaking of food, here comes the meat and potatoes. Let's talk about champions. Champions, it is the week of the Ironman 70.3 World Championship. Wow, for many athletes spreading wings and heading to South Africa, or for other athletes heading to the Hawaii Ironman in a World Championship for the biggest race of their year and for many the biggest race of their life. For some, it will be a celebration of simply being there, for being present. They simply hope for the best. For others, there's an ambition to create a massive personal performance that can project themselves onto the podium or even win. Either way, this is a big deal. And I predict that many competitors will have much less mind space for anything else in their world this week. And they certainly can look forward to a few broken nights sleep and a bubbling sensation of anticipation and nerves as the event gets closer and closer. 
So how do you set yourself up for the best possible performance at your championship? You see, you might not be heading to South Africa for the Ironman 70.3 World Championships, and you might not be getting ready for the Hawaii Ironman, but you likely have an event, a goal, or a race that becomes your championship. Well, today, we're going to break it down into a few categories, and we're going to help promote a positive mindset and enable you to free your body to do what it is prepared to do. That's your training. We're going to put aside today physical training and preparation. And why is that? Well, number one, it's too big of a topic. If I start talking about the route to create physical excellence, we're going to be here all day. But secondly, it doesn't matter. In the scope of this conversation, your physical preparation doesn't mean a thing. What do I mean by that? When we talk about developing a championship mindset, no matter your lead up or preparation, whether it was seamless and wonderful or riddled with travel and ups and downs and less than optimal physical preparation, it's done. It's behind you. You are going to arrive with the physical resources that you have. And this is the conversation in the last week or so all the way through race day, where your goal is to set up the approach to free up your best performance you can on the day. This is very basic, but it's important. You see, you might be going into your race with doubts. Or you might be going into your race with high hopes and expectations following wonderful life best training. And no matter where you fall, as so far as that mental mindset along that continuum of great confidence and expectation all the way down to maybe fear and doubt, the mental mindset should be as close to the same as possible. Because your mission is to maximize your best performance that you can on that day, period. This is about allowing yourself freedom to execute. It's no more complicated than that. What this means is very similar to the conversation I had with one of my professional athletes last week about a key race. And this whole show could be packaged into just this saying, the best success you can have in any race is knowing that you remained open to performance and that when you cross the line, you took all the steps in your control and ability to maximize your performance. Let's say that last piece again. You took all the steps in your control and your ability on that day to maximize your performance. Now notice what I didn't say there. I didn't say your best performance will come if you come XYZ place. I didn't say if you can go XYZ time or anything like that. You see, success is about doing all the things that you're able to do to enable your best. And that gives real substance to the simple, important lens of go and do your best. But I digress. We're going to get there on the show. What we first have to do is take a step back. Let's set you up for your success before we get into the mindset. So I want to come up a level now and I want to frame your championship, your key race, and I want to frame it globally. You see, the most important thing I can discuss when it comes to a championship race is this. Just because it carries that magical label for you and it is a great occasion for sport and for obviously for yourself. 
Your best mindset and practical approach is to retain as much, and here's the magic word, familiarity as possible. If you have well-tried practices and habits around racing that have worked for you in other events, maintain those habits. Don't be in a massive rush to add, change, or evolve anything. I'm going to give you some specific examples of this, but first I want to tell you a story. A couple of years ago, 2016, the Ironman 70.3 World Triathlon Championships were in Maloolaba, Australia. Now, it's a wonderful championship for us. We had Tim Reed, who took the win, the very first professional Ironman 70.3 world champion that we'd ever had at Purple Patch. And Sam Appleton had a breakthrough race, managing to get fifth place overall. First and fifth in the world championships. What a wonderful race. But it's not about that. Pre-race, in the planning, I had a discussion with Sam, and I chatted on the phone. Now, when I recreate this, I want you to imagine that behind our conversation, you can hear sounds of lasers and explosions and various beeps. And all that is, as you think about this conversation, is Sam's obsession with playing video games. It's always bubbling in the background on the phone. But here was the conversation. Sam asked me, wait, when shall I get to the race? Pause. I think I should stop the terrible Australian accent. Sam said to me, when shall I get to the race? Well, when have you got to races this year? Sam replies, three to four days prior. Okay, arrive three to four days prior. But it's a world championships. Yep, it's a race with a label. And there are lots of fast people racing. How have you raced this year? Sam replies, very well, I've had a great year so far. And when did you get there? Three to four days prior. Yep, good. I'm glad that's settled. You see, you get it, a simple conversation that actually proved to be the catalyst to evolve Sam's mindset going into that race. Keep things the same. Ultimately, it's a race. It might be your biggest race. It might be the world championship, but it isn't something magical or mythical or different. It's a race. It's a competition. So you might not be a pro trying to vie for a world title. But your goals and ambitions are personal and important. So let's break this down, what this framework means. It's not just about when you arrive at the race. It's not just about saying it's just another race, because we do want to take some actions to set you up for success, to develop the championship mindset. But framing the event globally, what does familiarity mean? So here are a couple of components. Number one, nutrition. I want you to maintain regular eating habits, the same prehydration and the same fueling approaches that you would do for key sessions in training. If you're used to having your really hard workouts of each week coming on a Saturday morning, maintain relatively regular eating habits, hydration and fueling as you go in. Don't think that you have to evolve your eating habits or how much you drink or suddenly add any supplements just because it carries the championship label. Familiarity is king. Always embrace it and remove this whole subject from your mind space. It's just one less thing to think about. I really encourage you to not introduce new things, to not suddenly adjust, but instead 
buckle down on familiarity. And the only caveat that you need to think about is environmental. If you went to altitude, if you went to heat, then sure, you might need to hydrate a little bit more. But all of that incremental buzz, all of those magic potions, all of those special supplements, our concepts such as carbo-loading, all that is is clouding your headspace. It's confusing you, and quite frankly, it's confusing your body. So retain familiarity around nutrition. The same can be applied around the framing of familiarity with the rhythm of your training. As much as possible, we want to retain the rhythm of training that you tend to do going into other races and even into really hard sessions. Now, this should hopefully be familiar by now, so don't evolve it. Even the week of racing itself should have a familiar pattern compared to a normal training week. With the simple addition and thing to manage around travel and the fact that your load won't be near as much. So as a side note, at Purple Patch, this is how we actually build some of the training sessions and training blocks. We have weeks that we designate building weeks, and those are going to be where very strong work occur. And that strong work is going to be specific to the phase of work that needs to be done. But then we identify weeks that we call transition weeks. And these allow a little bit of freshening, some adaptations from those strong building block weeks, but the rhythm of the week and the timing is distinctly similar to that of a race week. And so what we do is we can learn and adapt in the lead up to the race. And so those transition weeks that we have populated throughout the year are always going to include the hardest work of the week on the weekend. The same as, I assume, your championship is going to be. The third element of framing is equipment. If in doubt, go with tried and trusted. Nothing new, nothing changed. Equipment changes occur early in the year. But the only areas to look at when you think about equipment changes is maybe if you're doing a triathlon or a cycling race, you may look for new tires that are going to be void of rips and nicks. But everything else should remain familiar. Don't change your helmet. Don't change your wheels. Don't change your position. Keep things what you know work. Because in general, this race is a championship, but it is, as I said, just a race. So your plan, your training plan, should be about priming your body for its best performance of the year. But your mind should treat this almost like any other race. In fact, the longer that we go in distance of these races, the more it becomes a reality that your best race performance arrives out of great execution of a really, really hard training session. A really hard training session. That's why I often say primed Ironman athletes go and race it by training all day. Because training is familiar And ultimately, racing should be as close to familiarity as possible to create the ultimate magic of a great race. I might have lost you in the weeds there, but go and train all day is not diminishing your potential. It's a pursuit of maximizing your potential. So now let's go to something practical. 
Before we jump to the mindset, where should you place your mind? I think because we're developing a championship mindset, we have to talk a little bit about planning and specifically race week and course planning, because this is a part that is going to free up your confidence and your mindset as you actually go into the race and in the race proper. You see, it is, it is, it really is worth taking the time to plan your logistics and your course management prior to getting onto race site. But this isn't to divert the mindset towards obsession. You see, the way that you should view planning and careful planning should be the fact that it is the clearest path to clear headspace in the lead up to the race. And it's going to provide much less chance or risk of nerve-inducing issues in the final days. What do they say? PPP, poor prior planning equals piss-poor performance, or at least something like that. The more that you've planned, the less that you're going to have to mentally manage in the days prior. So what does this mean? What is it as a part of a championship mindset? Well, the first should be really, really simple stuff. Logistics. Any logistics around the course Where are the transitions? Where's the gear drop off? The early morning challenges of getting to the race site, planning for your training and registration to allow for downtime, to make sure that you don't have panic and ultimately realize that big surprises create nerves in race week. So you want to aim to mitigate the risk as much as possible. Beyond the logistics, you really want to do in-depth course preview. You want to get used to the setup of the course. So what is the swim course? What's the buoy layout? And I don't want you to forget to spy the landmarks for sighting, to understand where the line of the sun is going to be. And out of the swim exit, what's the route from the water to the first transition? What are the layout of the transitions? What's the actual course and terrain? Knowing what is coming in your race is empowering and therefore shouldn't be fear-inducing. If you understand, you can take action. If you're cloudy, and then it's going to be a surprise, and it's going to induce fear. And then finally, I want you to line up what you need. So if you're committed to a familiar warm-up, a nice routine that you like to go through before you actually start the race, know where you're going to do it. Understand how you're going to go and execute it. What's your eating and pre-race routines? Making sure that you go through an equipment checklist and your pre-race equipment tuning to ensure that you know that you can get it done so that you can execute it. And making sure that you have access to the food that you need, both for your pre-day lunch, dinner and breakfast before you're actually going to start the race. And finally, really understand how the process will flow race morning. If you plan in advance then you don't have to fill your head with confusion and you're not chasing around the race site. You see, I see way too many athletes spending time waiting around for friends, walking for two miles to view the course set up and suddenly realize on the eve of the event that they've spent the last two or three days going right into their championship race, running around, sorting out logistics and giving themselves no time for downtime. No matter who you are, this is exhausting. Add to this what we might call expo neurosis, 
with the excitement of the championships and your t-shirts that you can get. I see races being swept away from spending way too many hours walking around the expo, checking out the new cool gear, catching up with people. Don't do it. Go to the expo once, get your shit done, register 15 to 30 minutes and then leave. And then guess what? Don't go back. All you have to do is ask any spectator, any fan, how tiring it is watching one of these darn events. If you act like a spectator and a fan leading up to a race, well, you might as well meet me for coffee right at the start of T1. Because I promise you, your running legs won't be there. So with all of this planning and framing how you're going to go through the logistics, now, now, you can frame the main subject of today, the championship mindset. What does this mean? When we think about the mindset, we're thinking about framing of the event, it's just a normal race, the planning of it to create hate space, but then the third element, how do I get the most out of my body come the big day? Well, I promise you, it's not going to come from you listening to Eye of the Tiger. It's not going to happen if you're getting pumped up with anger or excitement or any other Rocky-induced approach. It's going to boil down to two main things that we have to rip apart to be successful. The first, control the controllables. And the second is focus on the process. But what does this truly mean? You see, it's so easy to throw out a phrase like this and then pat myself on the back, pat you on the back and say, good luck. But are these phrases truly able to be applied? Well, I think we owe it to ourselves to expand a little bit and go into really what I mean. So the first category is control the controllables. You see, the natural tendency for so many athletes is to get obsessively focused on outcomes. And so much so that these outcomes end up creating foreboding and fear. The event itself transitions from a simple race, what we want to frame it around, to a test of self-worth and an ultimate validation of you as an athlete. It is a pass-fail endeavor. So many athletes become consumed by what-if scenarios. Am I going to race well? What times or splits will I do? Can I be XYZ person? Where can I come in my age group? What's the weather going to do? Is the wind going to blow? Is it going to be hot? None, none of these types of questions are actionable. And guess what? None of these questions are answerable in advance of the race. Hence, why they get labelled as outcomes. You see, your place, XXX, your place in your age group, is as a result of the actions that you take and how you execute the pieces of the discipline. The same applies to your splits and times. And these elements are external to what you can control now. So instead of getting shackled by external factors... Place all of your energy into the things that you can control. And trust me, this can be liberating. Because with the same sense of control that comes out of this, will act to calm your fears. Because it's a transition of outcome to execution. 
You are actually doing something and you have something in front of you that you can control. So let me give you a couple of shifts in mindset and actions relating to that above. What finishing place am I going to come? It's a useless discussion. Instead, focus on your own personal performance and focus on the things that can maximize your own best result because they're in your control. In fact, throughout training to racing, the best results, the best results arrive out of a pursuit for personal excellence. And that happens every single time. Those who obsess on the results miss the quality of the product. Hey, business executives listening, this applies to the workplace too. You got that? We're not just talking about sport here. We're talking about life. But this comes back to your personal commitment that I really started the show on. Do your best. Your best. That is what you can control. And if you do your best, you have the best opportunity for your placing to be as high up as it possibly can be with the context of your physical preparation. Let's talk about another one, the hot weather. What's the hot weather going to be? How hot's it going to be? What's the wind going to do? It will be what it will be. But you must be ready to bring your best physical freshness into race day to manage whatever conditions end up being for all athletes. So that means what you can control in this element is securing downtime in the lead up to the race, staying out of that heat in the days leading up and maximizing your rest and sleep. You want to bring your best physical and emotional resources to navigate whatever the environment is. Because what you're actually doing there is building readiness and building resilience to whatever the conditions end up being. With the weather, hope for nothing. Expect and manage anything. If you can remember that, it's a conversation that is best left to the birds. So here's the final one. Am I going to race well? I've done all this work, I'm leading in, and you want the question answered. It's a question that cannot be answered before the race. But by trying to answer it, you can surely sabotage the chances of it being positive by an obsession over the question. Instead, shift the mindset to a personal commitment. And this commitment is centered around embracing the simple joy of racing and the occasion. A complete dedication to doing your best that you can possibly do on the day, whatever resources your body provides and no matter how your body feels. Because how you feel and what energy you have on race day is ultimately irrelevant. What is crucial is a commitment to maximizing whatever energy and resources you have. And if you do this, if you commit to this, if you buy in, it's nice conceptually, but I'm asking you to buy in, to take ownership of that. Because one thing that will flow from this is a feeling of pride of effort and a real opportunity for objective review following the race. So if you can really wrap your head around this, if you can buy into what I'm saying, 
and stop our trying to answer, am I going to do well? How is my body going to go? And instead say, whatever it brings, I'm going to love it and I'm going to maximize what I'm given. Out of that, you can leave and you can look in the mirror and you can say, good on me. I've given everything I could do. And then following, when the dust has settled, you can objectively review why it was great or where to improve next time. It comes back to the journey and process. And so that's what we mean by controlling the controllables, setting yourself up for success and putting your mind in a place that you're actually empowered to have an execution mindset. The second thing we talk about is the process. I asked you to focus on the process. Now, this phrase really flows out of the discussion that I just have with controlling the controllables. But I think it's important because you hear it so much. Don't focus on outcome, focus on the process. But what does that really mean? What does that actually mean from putting it into action, from a practical mindset, developing our championship mindset? Well, your best championship mindset is to maintain familiarity of routine and habits across training, preparation and racing, and a commitment to enjoying the simple component of racing. And then it is to avoid being distracted by those outcomes and instead focus on each step of the journey. So when we talk about process, we're really talking about execution. You see, it's fine to dream about free-flowing and trouble-free racing and your hands go up in the air, wee, as you cross the finish line in glory. But the reality is that it's seldom that nice and it's seldom free of trouble and adversity. Great performances often flow out of the races and events that are riddled with unexpected turns, challenges, and unforeseen mishaps. You don't need to have a perfect race to have a dream performance, but you must retain a clear head and commitment to the process for that magical performance to arrive. So here are some salient points when I mean by that. Number one, focus on what is in front of you. You see, whatever has happened already is behind your ears. It's not worth thinking about. It's not worth consideration. Focus what's in front of you on the road. Because the only thing that you can control is what you are going through at present. And then you can plan and prepare for what is coming. But you can't adjust or evolve what has happened. It's very basic but it's real. And by focusing on the actionable process, it helps best results and secures that you are consistently in execution mode. So what are some real life examples that this might happen? Let's talk about the swim in a triathlon. You're in the middle of the swim and you're looking to constantly look to retain rhythm, swim in a straight line and make your best possible speed. It makes sense, yeah? I'm looking to feel good and, res and restore as much energy as I can. I don't want to swim further than I have to, and I want to go as fast as I can. Well, if you're swimming hard and you feel awful, you've got to have an awareness of that, and you've got to be, have an understanding to change your rhythm. Perhaps that means a few longer strokes. Perhaps it means resetting the timing a little bit. Perhaps it means changing your sequencing of timing. But if you're thinking about, am I swimming well? How am I doing? You're not actually in tune, in sync 
with your rhythm, with your timing, with the elements of your swimming that can create action to help you ensure you're swimming straight and ensure you're making best speed. And that's why we say, if you don't like the rhythm, change it. But you have to be aware of the rhythm in order to change it. If we move to the bike portion of a triathlon, you have to be consistently, and this is a true commitment, and this is where the emotional resilience comes in. You have to have consistent and fluid execution and planning mindset all the way through the bike. This means checking in with yourself on your posture. What terrain are you going through? Looking for changes in that terrain to maximize speed relative to your effort. By way of an example, I see so many heads drop 30 miles from home in the Hawaii Ironman. It's a straight road. You can see your destination almost 30 miles away. The athlete has developed fatigue because they've already swum 2.4 miles and now they're reaching towards the last miles of the first 100 miles of a 112-mile bike. The heads drop the riding form plummets, the speed drops, the power drops. Is that training? Well, how many of those athletes notice through simple awareness and actionable mindset that the wind has changed and suddenly they were riding in a brief tailwind to now a headwind? Your race isn't over because you're suddenly going four miles an hour slower. But it's as you went around the corner of that island, just on that part of the course, and now you have the wind pressing against your forehead. What do you do? Well, you fuel up, you put some tension on the chain with a bigger gear, and you focus on maintaining that tension because it's actionable. Suddenly you realize, I need to bring out the tool that helps me ride in a headwind really well. And that means tension on the chain. Conversely, I hear reports about athletes feeling like their power suddenly drops in a race. I was riding along and I made the turn and then I just couldn't get my power up. And you pull up their power file and you look at the direction, you look at the terrain. And what you realize is that they're chasing and chasing and chasing a power. But they're completely oblivious that their power has dropped, but their speed has actually crept up. What's happening here? Well, guess what? They're being pushed by a tailwind. You're not useless. You're not failing. But it becomes incrementally tougher to produce power the faster you go. And the tailwind is giving you calls to enjoy more fluid and slightly faster pedaling. So at that point, you shouldn't be chasing power. But you can only have that if you're focused on the process and retaining awareness. This is a trained element. But if you're focused on the process in riding, you're going to navigate the terrain and make best speed and have self-awareness of what's going on. Let's finally talk about a real race scenario, energy. So often you hear athletes saying, I felt great. And then suddenly I just started to get distracted. I felt like I was losing focus. I was getting moody. Suddenly my goals just weren't important to me anymore. Well, guess what? It's calories. You need them. And if you're obsessing about results, oh, my day is gone. I'm having a bad day. I'm only at mile 12 of the run. I've still got almost a half marathon or more than a half marathon to go. Your self-awareness is diminished and you're simply falling into suffering. 
You're not taking actionable steps to navigate this piece of adversity that has presented itself. So instead, you want to retain constant check-ins and planning ahead so that you can reduce speed loss over the course. And in this case, you're like, I'm moody. I'm a little loss of focused. I'm feeling like my goals are important. Well, guess what? The process means that you can take action and execute by consuming calories. It doesn't matter what your spreadsheet said. It doesn't matter what your fueling plan is. Get some calories in because it's calories every time. The second component of the process is navigating adversity. With a process-focused mindset, you're going to be better equipped to managing and overcoming challenge, much like the examples that we talked about above. You should expect the unexpected in a race that cannot be planned for, but if, and I would even say when, these things strike, it is critical you take action. You see, the outcome requires management of adversity. And remember that no matter what happens in a race, your goal will always be the same, which is to get from A to B as fast as it allows. And so understanding that adversity can come and saying process, not outcome, sets you up to execute and manage the adversity. And rather than hoping it not coming, which is a dream if that's the scenario, when it does come, and it usually does, You overcome and you manage your way through. The final component of process, form over force. So that's where you just have to go back, listen to word of the week again, because this has got a large part to play here. Do you remember earlier in the show, I got all hippy dippy on you? Well, that's a big part of it. When an outcome mindset dominates, we tend to see athletes that carry fear and worry into the process. And you can often see the athlete carrying their life stress into racing. But when the mindset shifts to being process driven, then the athlete is free to get on with the actionable piece of the puzzle that makes up the race. Now, technically, What that really means is that all of the elements of your race, whether you're running a marathon or being doing alt route, the multi-day riding stage through the European Alps, or you're doing an Ironman or half Ironman, your race should be dominated by form over force mindset. Even when fatigue comes, even when you have the anguish of battle, your best power, pace and economy will come from a place of remaining supple, synchronized and fluid. And you're going to have to fight for it. It sounds like a paradox. You're going to have to fight to remain fluid. And all of this bubbles up to instead of searching and fighting for it with tense muscles, If you really compare a great athlete with a fighter, you'll notice how supple and synchronized the great always looks. Because all form to dominate and power will come out of a place of form over force. With these pieces of the mindset dominating, the chances that you have of your best performance is at its very best. And remember, this is all you can ask. You can have the goal of winning or placing or securing a particular time, but the best thing you can possibly ask for in each race is to execute the best possible race with the best possible effort 
that you are physically ready for. And this is the fun part. This is what should make racing a celebration. Because if you realize that your best outcome is completely up to you, and your biggest pride will come from that effort and joy, and then you're free to jump in and do what you certainly can do. And that is, without shame, jump right in and give it a good almighty crack. And then see what happens. Because remember, in reality, especially in longer distance endurance events such as Ironman 70.3 World Championships or an Ironman, the very best performance you can hope for is an accumulation of your very best training. Race performances are not mythical in nature. In long course endurance racing, they are the outcomes of your training. And so if we end up with your best swim session that you've ever executed, your best bike training session, and your best run training session, you end up with a dream racing performance. And it takes no more than this for you to maximize your personal readiness. A final word. I can't let it go. Race nerves. Don't battle them. Don't try to hide from them. Don't fear them. You are going into battle with yourself, against yourself. It is a test of yourself and a chance for you to show yourself the results of your hard work. These race nerves are physiologically normal, anticipated, and one might even say essential for you to pass by your very best performance. It is simply your body signaling to you the priming for battle. And that is happening in process. It isn't weakness. In fact, it's strength. It's strength ready to come out. It isn't a dilution of your readiness. It's just a dilution of your stalls. I'm sorry, I couldn't resist that. So go forth and smile and don't let the occasion bypass you. Because it is a hard-earned privilege, and it is that, a privilege to be sitting and getting ready for an occasion and an event like this. That sensation of pre-race nerves is actually incredibly healthy. And in fact, I will say that more human beings should experience nerves more often. It means you're living. So best of luck, and I hope it goes well. And I look forward to you being your own champion wherever your championship is. Now, let's talk about questions of the week. All right, so we go questions of the week. And as a reminder, as you go into this, and hopefully you have some championship questions for me or other questions for performance, all you have to do to get involved on this, questions, that's with an S, questions at purplepatchfitness.com. And we've received a lot as ever. We're going to try and answer as many as we can this week. I'm just going to go with one question again, but we're going to circle around and do as many as we can of these. So questions at purplepatchfitness.com. A couple of weeks ago, we went to Switzerland. This week, Wichita, Kansas. Wichita, Kansas. It's actually a wetsuit question. It's a great question that I want to answer. And it's one that I actually put into what we call our coaches bulletin for our coached athletes. So the question from Jenny from Wichita is, I've noticed when I put my wetsuit on that as soon as I start to swim in open water, my shoulders get really restricted. I feel like I'm getting claustrophobic. And after just a few hundred meters, I really lose sensation in my arms. In fact, I feel like I'm getting dragged down into the water. 
My swim performances in a wetsuit are supposed to be faster because I'm a weak swimmer, but I find myself swimming a slower average per hundred, even in the swimming pool when I've done a test. What do you think it should be? Should I try a different wetsuit brand? Well, Jenny, it's a great question. And to answer that, I think there's a few elements and there's a couple of nuanced elements. The first is wetsuit brands. Not every wetsuit brand is suitable for every athlete. So try and get past the fluff of advertising. And actually, I'd encourage you not to necessarily buy the most expensive wetsuit in any range that you like. The dream scenario is you actually do a swimming test where you get a few different wetsuits and you get to try them in a blind study. You'll need a friend for that. And actually, we'll put into our show notes what that wetsuit test is and protocol is so that we can go through and find what the fastest wetsuit for you is. But ultimately, different wetsuits are cut in different ways. And you want to have one that is nice and firm around the midriff because that helps you create a taut vessel or good posture in swimming. But you want to have one that's very mobile and free in the shoulders. And so not all of the wetsuits will fit each different athlete. The right wetsuit for me might be a different wetsuit brand for you. So try a few on. Don't just buy one because Jan Frodeno or Jesse Thomas wear the wetsuit. Instead, try different wetsuits on. The second component, though, is actually putting the wetsuit on correctly. And this is more commonly the biggest risk or challenge. It's people throwing the wetsuit on, zipping it up, getting it into the water, and having it sitting too low on the hips. And what that does, because it's a one-piece, is drag you down at the shoulders. And as soon as you've got neoprene or rubber pulling you down at the shoulders, it's going to create fatigue. And when that happens... It's going to slow you down because you're going to get tired arms. So to put a wetsuit on, the first thing, and I love saying this, lube up. Lube up a little bit. Lube around the elements that might actually create chafing, around the nipples, the armpits, the neck, and even around the ankles because you want to make sure that you can get the wetsuit off afterwards. And then you put the bottom of the wetsuit on for and the legs on. But before you actually put pull the top of the wetsuit on, You want to try and get a buddy to give you a wedgie. Pull the wetsuit all the way up high, high water pants, as high as you can get. You want to get uncomfortably high and then you put the sleeves on. And then hopefully you get that same buddy to pull it up at the back and to create as much mobility in the shoulders as possible. And if you manage to do that, you're going to have free and easy movement and a much better chance for your shoulders to get offset and not carry fatigue. So in summary, two things. Try a few wetsuits, find out which one fits. If possible, test them, and we'll leave the protocol in the show notes. And finally, you gotta get that wetsuit on properly, because if not, you're gonna get tired arms. So thanks so much, Jenny. Great question. As a reminder, questions at purplepatchfitness.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're going to keep this as a feature of the podcast. So bring your questions in. Hey, I'll answer anything within reason, I say. Let's finish up with the learnings. So pretty succinct this week because we really went into the weeds. But here's my learnings of a championship mindset. Number one, familiarity. We thrive in it and it breeds confidence. Number two, don't overcomplicate. Keep it simple. It's a race. Number three, 
plan to provide yourself headspace so that you can enjoy and not obsess. Number four, control what you can control. And number five, focus on the process. Put your mind in what's in front of you. Chase perfection, but expect and manage the obstacles. Focus on the now and leave the assessment to post-race. And no matter what happens, realize that your mission is going to remain the same, to get from A to B. But ultimately, what this is really all about is doing the things that you can control that will lead to your best performance. And that means a personal commitment. And it's how I started the show. Do your best, your best. That is exactly what you can control. This is what has given out to my love of the saying, freedom to fail. You see, far from expecting or allowing a poor performance, it's a gateway to allow yourself to be centered and focused around what you can control and executing all you can control. And then ultimately that means, and that always means, that you will be proud of the result. You see, freedom to fail is no promise of a dream performance, as that can't always happen. It's sport, but it is a promise of pride in your performance and the opportunity to remain in love with the sport and ultimately look forward to racing. After all, remember this, racing is fun. Best of luck. Take care. See you next time.